Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast. I am your host, Matt Levy, and joining me for this great, amazing podcast today, the number one podcast in the world, yeah, is Mike Stab. How are you, Mike? Hey, Matt. I am here. I'm happy to be part of the number one podcast in the world. It's really special. Well, it is an honor for me too, but I appreciate you being here for a special episode today, Mike, because we're talking about, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to throw the gauntlet down, the greatest video game in the Mario Kart series. All right. I I I I can I can go go most of the way with you there. Yeah. <laughs> I um, went a I, little far. I I know. I, I, you know what though? That's fine. I appreciate that. You got to fight for what you like and games you love. And honestly, before 2013, I think this was my favorite in the Mario Kart series. So yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think for some people this will be first, second, but it's definitely up there. But let's talk about yeah. Mario Kart Double Dash, the Double D. GameCube 2003, the famous kart racing game. Mike, what do you recall about this game? I remember this game so very well. I believe I bought this game on launch day. I believe it came out sometime. You know what? This was this was this is Nintendo, right? And this is their big game that year for 20 for a big, big fall game of 20 of 2003. And which means it's almost 20 years old, which is crazy. So this game probably released, I would say, uh, in these days, they didn't do it the same way they do it now, where it's like it comes out the Friday before Thanksgiving. But I would say that this is not the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, but probably the week before that. So yeah, sometime Mike, between good. November. In Japan, it came out the first week. It was the 7th of November. In yeah. States, it came out the 17th. So you're right. It was just about the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So it's like a like a week and two days before Thanksgiving. That's always Nintendo's biggest game of the year. That's how I knew when they announced Pokemon Scarlet and Violet coming out the Friday before thanksgiving i'm like that's it we're not going to get anything too crazy because that's anything additional too crazy because that's the big fall release nintendo always does that it's always the week before thanksgiving is their big game of the year unless it's a smash brothers that comes out in december which is which is wild but i think they had a i think in 20 whatever 2018 or 2017 whatever year that no 2018 whatever year that was they had a big game in november as well but double dash i got it the day it came out i was immediately just all about this game obviously we played tons of 64 growing up with the n64 I played hours upon hours upon hours of Nintendo 64. I did not play the game on the Game Boy Advance. I did not play Super Circuit, which releases, I believe, like kind of with the Game Boy Advance in 2001. And so it had been almost, it had been roughly like seven years, seven years, six or seven years since a, a new Mario Kart game had come out in a console. So I loved the GameCube. I was already all in on the GameCube at this point in time in 2003. I was in my, it must've been my senior year of high school. This was coming out in November, 2003. So I got this game, my senior year of high school. And this was a game that I played nonstop. Like this was the whole winter that year, like into Christmas, just every single race, unlocking all the different characters, 
playing all the different maps, playing everything all the way up to whatever, 150 CC, and then playing the mirror backwards mode. This game is really great. It's got some, it's really unique. It's got that whole two cart, two racer thing going on where it's too fast and too furious at the same time. I do think that does give a little bit of a detriment to the game if we're going to talk about it, but I do love that the characters in this game, it's it's a double-edged sword for me. Because I love that whatever characters you pick in this game kind of represent some of the items you can get. And it actually makes it so that your choice of a racer is way more impactful than just, okay, this guy's fast or this person's slow or this one's heavy and this one's light. Not only does it give you all of that, because it does, it also gives you uh, different items. And I can see why that can annoy some people because some of the really good items are locked to characters you might not want to play as. I also do believe you can change which cart you drive in in this game. It might be like just a few, like the it's not as... It's not as crazy as, say, like Mario Kart 8, where you could choose down to the wheels, but I'm pretty sure in Double Dash, you can choose which cart your racer can race. Because I do remember playing as like Petey Piranha and King Boo, and like a big gold, like takes over the entire screen type thing. I could be wrong on that, but I almost, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you, you could do that. Or each racer has their own specific cart that they use which gives them different benefits. Like I know that like Toad and Toadette have like the little Toad cart. So if you can't choose which car you race in, oh well. But I do know that there are different carts based on the racer. Yeah, that's the one thing that's stumping me. We'll have to fact check. I don't know, recall if they're specific to the racer, the exact car, but you're right. So much about what you said is right, Mike. And I, I enjoy that you're so often right. And I have to come on and say, Mike, you did, you did good. But you're right about something. You didn't exactly say the word, but there's strategy to this game. Yeah. That you didn't have in other Mario Kart games. The strategy was choosing your racer, but then also, as you said, the ability to have two characters, two racers on your cart. There was a strategy to that too, and picking and swapping them and using your items at the right time. This was not just a straight up racer. There was strategy to using the items and using the correct characters. So love everything you said there. I might've went a little... Too hardcore beginning saying it's the best racer ever, best Mario Kart racer ever. But I want to hit you with one other thing, Mike. Something that yeah. I think about every time I play this game to this day. I think this was the greatest leap in graphics from a Mario Kart game from the previous generation to the next. Because I feel like after Double Dash, the Wii version, you got Mario Kart 8 on Wii U, you got DS, you got the different handhelds. I feel like this was the biggest leap graphically that you got in the series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the biggest single leap, I think, from 64 to Double Dash, right? I, I mean, if we if we compare Double Dash to 8, it's like, oh my God. Sure. Right? Like you're looking at you're looking at those like HD graphics, even out of the Switch, running at whatever the frame rate is. It's pretty it's pretty impressive. But yeah, no, Mario Kart Double Dash looks way better than 64. You know what? I'll, most of the GameCube games look way better than their N64 counterparts. It's it's just a giant leap forward. I mean, the GameCube was way more powerful than anyone gave credit for at that time period. More powerful than the PS2. It's when Nintendo was still trying to make like systems that could kind of stand up to the other consoles from a power standpoint. Now, I know people are like, why don't they do that anymore? Because 
nobody realized how powerful the GameCube was and nobody bought it. So Nintendo has changed their philosophy on what consoles need to do. Pretty much have changed it to be like, okay, what kind of idea that we can run with instead of running with power? And you're never going to be able to compete with a PC, so whatever. But yeah, this game looks so much better than the than the original Mario Kart 64. I do believe it's in the tops of these games too. And it's really hard to argue with that. I, I think the strategy element is so important. I, I always... When I played this game, and it's been a long time since I've played it, I, I never really diverted. Like I've always picked two characters that belong together. Like I always picked the team, whatever that team was. So it's I, I never got anything weird, right? Like if you had like Yoshi with Bowser or something like that. Like I never well, did anything like that. To your point, you were saying earlier that each have special items. Now this game had 20 characters in it. 11 of them were completely new to the series. So you're talking about the roster was much improved from 64, but you're right. Each pair of characters had their own special abilities. So if we're talking about Mario and Luigi, well, they had their red and green fireballs. If you were talking about Toad and Toadette, they had those gold mushrooms. And it was cool how each set, as you said, each pair had their own cool special attacks. And that was part of like your identity and strategy in choosing these characters. If you wanted giant banana peels, well, you're going donkey or Diddy. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually they and the banana peels are stupid. Like they're they're not good, right? So why would you want to pick that team? That's part of the problem in this game. That's like the one thing I'm going to I'm going to tell kind of it's weird because like I said, it's a double edged short. And one side it like, okay, cool, your character really matters. And there's some amazing strategy here, but at the same time, it's like you're kind of screwed out of good items if you don't pick the right character. Like, for example, when I played this game, because a lot of my characters that I like now weren't in Mario Kart at this point in time. When I played this game, I always cho chose the Koopa Para Paratroopa nice. because because they got the three shells. And obviously the three shells in Mario Kart 64 or Double Dash are like some of the best items in the game because you can one, wear them as a shield, right? Or two, you get three shells to shoot at people. And if you have the three red shells, you're just going to throw three homing shells at it's people the best. and destroy people. Like, it's like, it's better than a boost, right? Even like, I like Toad and Toadette because they're, they're the high acceleration, low, low top speed characters that have really good handling. But like, at the same time, it's like, yeah, the gold mushroom's fine, but like, it's not as good as having three shells instead of like having to hold Z behind you while you, while it sits behind you before you shoot someone with it. No, there were definitely better and worse characters in this game, but there was sort of a, a, if you were just doing it for the fun, the vast amount of characters and items I thought was great. And the, the, the racers themselves, Mike, never looked better. This is the first time they used 3D polygons for the characters, and it shows. When you played 64, the the actual levels were 3D developed, but the racers yeah. were still sprites. Yeah, Here You're getting these nice polygon-made 3D characters, and it looked that much better. Yeah, it really does. It looks way better. The the 3D models look excellent. And the I think the environments look really, oh, really yeah. good. The courses. Some I of mean, the core best courses. You got some favorites of your own, Mike, from this game from Double Dash. Did you recall? Yeah, there are some wild courses in Double Dash. I, I think it's funny because there is one course that has both. I think it's become like the most... It's become like a cult favorite course that everyone seems to hate, but also love at the same time. And that's Baby Park. Baby Park on... There's nothing more fun in Mario Kart than playing Baby Baby Park 
on top speed. It is the hardest stage ever. There are so many turns. It's essentially, you're just power sliding the it's entire time. It's not even time. the turns. The items that are being flung around the course, Mike, you can't get through a single lap and it's seven laps. You can't get around that mini course without hitting into some sort of banana peel or or something or bomb or fireball or something because it's just chaos. <laughs> yeah, you can't. It's 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 so good. You'll love it and you hate it. The, the baby park. I think I've learned to appreciate baby park. I really do. I think it's one of those things that... Well, you got to you know, be a good drifter, like you said. Yeah, you got to drift the whole time. It's in it's in that first cup, too. It's in the Mushroom Cup where you play Baby Park. But, I mean, there's so many good stages on here. And you know what's really funny? It was This was the game where my playgroup stopped playing only battle mode and we started playing just races. Which, yeah, you know, SNES and 64 was definitely more battle mode. Yeah, no, absolutely. But like some of the courses in this game, obviously there's Baby Park, which is great. A dry, dry desert's a lot of fun. DK Mountain's good. Waluigi Stadium is a classic. You got Sherbert Land that kind of kind of became like a classic. I'm trying to think. Wario Coliseum's fun. Yep. So there's a lot of really good courses in this game. Peach Beach. Peach, Peach Beach. Beach. Great. <laughs> you got that, that love to uh, Super Mario Sunshine. At that point in time, we got some new characters from there too, like Petey, P- Petey Piranha, and we got Big King Boo from who was in who was in uh, Luigi's Mansion. So it was it was a celebration of of what the GameCube was about. And I always get confused which courses are in which games now because they're all just in Mario Kart Eight at this point. Like Mario Kart Eight has like every course, which yeah. is really where it needs to go. Well, I that, actually think know? it needs more double dash levels. It doesn't Probably. quite have. All the double dash levels, every time they announce a new pack, and I see even one double dash level announced, I get really excited because this was the peak of the series for me. I think eight, and I'm sure there's going to be a day, Mike, where you and me are going to sit down and talk about eight because it's a phenomenal, maybe a masterpiece, maybe the perfect one. Yeah. But, but it's had so many years. It's had 15 years after double dash to be, become what, what it is. Well, yeah. I mean, that game comes out so, so much later than... Than Double Dash. And honestly, I do think that- For 10 years, I guess the original one, well, right? The original's 10, but now it's been almost 20, right? Right. So it's one of those things where Double Dash was really good, but then we took a step back, right? Because Mario Kart Wii was not great. Even though it sold like hotcakes, I think that game is lousy. Yeah, I do not like the way it looks. I do not like the way it plays. Mario Kart 7 is good, but you're stuck on the 3DS. Mario Kart DS is also good, but once again, you're stuck on the DS. So while that's cool to have like that kind of ad hoc wireless play, um, Mario Kart to me was not as nearly as good until we got eight on the Wii U. And now eight deluxe probably is one of the best selling Nintendo games of all time because it's just, it's just so good and just so accessible. It's like, it's funny how they open up a Nintendo park in Osaka, Japan and Universal Studios, and they're going to open it in la next year and then eventually by 2025 we'll have one on the east coast but the main ride is mario kart you would think like fans would be like why not just have like some sort of mario ride it's like because the general public yeah just no, loves you're mario right kart. mike i think they looked internally they looked at themselves in the mirror and they said this is now the peak series peak franchise we offer because if you look at double dash this game was the second best-selling game on the console. It sold 7 million copies. Then you go on to the Wii one. Again, I mean, if you don't count Wii Sports, 
Mario Kart Wii sold gangbusters. I think it was over 15, 20 million. I don't have the numbers in front of me. And then on the Wii U, Mario Kart on the Wii U, Mario Kart 8, that system only sold 12, 13 million, but I think it was sold over 5 million copies of the game. And here we are talking about... So it it outsells Zelda. It outsells Mario Core games. It outsells Pokemon. This game, this series outsells everything. It's now their, their franchise of all franchises. Yeah, and it does, goes to show you that the importance of accessibility because Mario Kart, even Double Dash, which is a little bit more complicated than your average Mario Kart game, and I think that's also kind of another... Uh, another like detriment for Mario Kart Double Dash is that you, you you do need to have a better understanding of what you're doing in Mario Kart Double Dash. You can't just hold A and shoot items like you have to like switch racers and do all that stuff. So for guys like us who are like gamers, right? It's awesome. Like that's cool. That's such a cool, unique thing to throw in the mix for Mario Kart Double Dash. But I could see why that might turn some people off. And Mario Kart Eight is just classic. It's just a classic Mario Kart game and honestly the best the series has felt since double dash and before double dash i don't think the series ever really felt that good 64 is obviously is great that's a great game but i feel like double dash just it gave us what 64 was trying to do and just so much more it's all about when you're playing a racing game like this yeah it's all about the cars and racing and the feel of speed but at the same time it's about it's about the environments it's about the courses it's about how everything looks and the gamecube was able to deliver something that looked incredible, something that played incredible, something that put a spin on a formula that we were all too familiar with at this point in time. It's one of it's one of the best kart racers ever made. And it's simple to a degree because once again, it's just Mario Kart, right? We're talking about Mario Kart again, but the complexity that it adds, it's it's very welcomed. The complexity we see now in Mario Kart is like, okay, well, what wheels do you put on the car? Are you driving a car? Are you driving a bike? What kind of sail do you put on the car? You know, it's all those different things that you would you would throw together to kind of strategize that way. Whereas in Mario Kart Double Dash, the strategy and the complexity was built into the characters. So folks who had kind of maybe gotten a little tired of Mario Kart by the time this came out have this fresh new experience of something that is wholly original and different from everything else in the series. Yeah, Mike, I love how you said it is the whole experience of this game that makes it special. You were humming a tune to one of the music, one of the courses, and I, I just instantly, I think a double dash, and I just... I hear the different tunes, whether it's the menus, it's the actual courses, and it's all these little details that make this game special. I think you hit on that because the racing feels good. It's fast. You said this this system is a powerhouse. It is. GameCube is a powerhouse. This game did 60 frames per second in a time where you still didn't expect that from games. 60 FPS was not always a thing, but this game feels tight. It feels, feels smooth. Yep. It's just, it's very, very smooth. It's very, very good. It's very tight. Nintendo was giving us games with 60 frames a second, like way before everyone else. They were, they were pushing for it. And you know what? I I will agree with those folks on the internet who demand 60 frames a second. You need it in a racing game. Yeah. You really, really do. Like there's a stark difference in playing a racing game that is not running at 60 and a racing game that's running at 60. It's, it's, it's very, very different. It's, it's just you need that smoothness. You really need to see everything, and you don't want to get screwed over by frame rate. Yeah, no, absolutely. This game did a lot of things right. I, I always like to 
talk about the reviews when this game came out because it's mostly positive. Yeah. But it was yeah. still controversial. It got an 87 out of 100 on Metacritic, which you'd say is phenomenal. I mean, 87 is, it's not quite Tony Hawk, but 87 is great, but it got some less positives, even some negative reviews, a famous one being from IGN, a 7.9, like just under eight. And I don't understand to this day how, what you can point as negative to this game as far as, as you can have your minor gripes with this game, but this is phenomenal. I mean, I could, I could, I could say <laughs> some things, Matt. If you'd like me to say some things, please, please. First of all, Edge, Edge gives you, Edge gives it a five out of ten. Yeah. Edge, yeah. Well, Edge hopefully is a publication that is no longer in. They hopefully is no longer a in publication. Five out of ten, Mike. You and me play games all the time. On yeah. no scale is Mario yeah. Kart Double Dash a five? Out, you and me have played fives out of tens. Yeah. Now, Edge is a it, Edge was always tough. Mm-hmm. Edge was always tough. They're, they were United Kingdom based magazine. Edge is no longer with us. RIP, I guess. But you gave Mario Kart Double Dash a five out of ten, so maybe you deserved it. I don't know who you're. I don't know who you're trying to cater to with a with a with a, a score like that for this game. Now, I understand a five out of ten is supposed to represent like average, middle of the road. Now, I I know in today's review score inflated reality that we live in. A five is terrible, right? That's we how think it's anything viewed. below a seven or an eight we think is is crap. Now I yeah. Now I know that video game reviewers will time and time again say, "Well, seven means this and eight means this." It's like, no, it doesn't. The score value has changed, and you have to adapt to that. Okay, you hear it from folks at IGN all the time. Eight is great. Okay. Eight is great, but seven is like okay, right? And when you go, well, seven means this. No, it doesn't. And you're the you're part of the reason why because you give so many friggin' tens out, right? If they gave out more threes, four, five, sixes, yeah, it's then like there'd be more of a different a different scale. When right when now I, everything's between seven and eight. When IGN changed the ten from being perfect, quote unquote, which is untrue because no games are perfect, to being masterpiece or whatever some nonsensical language that they created to inflate review scores so that they can get more clicks okay let's just be honest they're a web-based company i get it i i i like a lot of folks who've worked there i follow a lot of their stuff but a lot of the culture over there over the last handful of years when it comes to reviewing games has gone really south and really sour and their review of mario kart double dash which is a it's a nine uh, it's a mm, what is it what did they give it 7.9 7.9 you give Mario Kart Double Dash a 7.9. This is very indicative of what, what we see at some of these major publications. They're very susceptible to groupthink. Okay. In 2003, everyone hated the GameCube. It was the thing to hate on. Every magazine hated the GameCube. It was for babies. It was a child's machine. It was like a toy. I wonder what other folks who used to work at IGN say that stuff about the Switch, Greg Miller. So what we're going to do here is we're going to tell you this right now. That's a nonsense score and it doesn't count. I'm sorry. It, I don't take it for valid. Well, now, I want to ask edges if if this is a five out of ten, what do they consider a seven or eight to be? I'd love to see exactly of what's what do you consider to be far better than this? Because this is a a polished game with a high pedigree of of game development. I mean, a very high quality game development. If we're being completely honest about Mario Kart Double Dash, if I'm being completely honest and trying to be as fair as I can, taking that lens out, taking my pro Nintendo lens out, someone who loves Nintendo stuff to begin with, obviously we can't look at Nintendo Power's review as legit ever, right? That's a propaganda review. You can't look at Game Informer's 
you can never look at Game Informer's review as legitimate. Why? Because Game Informer is owned by GameStop. So their good reviews are going to go to games that they have to push for pre-order. So what's going to happen here? I'm sorry if I sound like a tinfoil hat wearing lunatic right now. I'm not. I swear. I worked for GameStop no, but there's for years. definitely motivation behind these yeah, scores. There's motivations for behind all these scores. Now, if you're going to ask me, Mike, what does Mario Kart Double Dash deserve? Okay, great. New stuff. Really good stuff, interesting stuff, more characters, great design, great music, really great tight gameplay. Yes, there's rubber banding. I get it. That's a problem. Yes, the whole item thing is can be kind of confusing if you don't see it as some sort of stri- strategic kind of way to play the game. I understand every character should have ever access to every item. That's how every other Mario Kart has ever worked. I get it. You're upsetting the Apple Kart. You're kind of you're kind of kind of changing what Mario Kart's all about. Honestly, if you were like, Mike, what would you give Mario Kart Double Dash? I get Mario Kart Double Dash. I'm not giving it a 10, right? I'm not. I'm not. Very few games should get a 10. No, this Um, is not one of the greatest video games ever made. This is not making a a top 10, a top 20, probably even a top 50 greatest games of all time. No, it's definitely not. not. It'll it'll be in the top 50 GameCube games. Definitely the top, maybe even the, probably it's probably the top Top 25 game. Top Probably. 20, top 25 game key games, yeah, right? That, yeah. that for sure. It's one of the best games on the console. I'd give Mario Kart Double Dash somewhere between like an 8.5 and a 9. I, I think it's very good. 8.75 feels like the right score for this game. And I, I, I really appreciate what it is and what it did but i can see where some of the you gotta you gotta even some even my favorite games of all time like gotta call a spade a spade exactly (laughs) some of my favorite games like i'll tell you this much when it comes to review scores i look at a 10 and be like this doesn't seem legitimate but i look at an 8.5 as like okay this is a real score right right? And and i and this is completely out of context but like when i have a review for something i've done like an album and someone's like A plus plus plus. I'm like, oh, all right, okay. But when I see like a B plus or an A minus, I'm like, oh well, that's one legitimate. Oh, very and good. It's so also think- like if you're a fan of the Mario Kart series, yeah. well, then you're probably gonna add a couple of points to whatever the mm-hmm. review is because it's something you're interested in. A game like Dragon Ball Kakarot, which is basically made, they was, it's almost like I was an advisor on the game and I told them <laughs> everything I wanted in it. But if they if someone gave that a seven, I'd be like, well, it's a nine for me. Yeah. Because it's made the way that I want it to be. So this is this could be that for some people. Maybe that's just not their jam. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But if you're looking at it objectively and you're comparing it, like, I don't think reviews need to be in a vacuum. I really don't. I think reviews need to somehow sit between like someone. Obviously, if you're reviewing a game, you can't look at it as a super fan because you're going to look past faults. But at the same time, you can't look at this game look at what, and not look at what came before it. No, you have to right? look, I think. You have to all- look at that racing games, kart racing games, mm-hmm. things of the genre and say, okay, does Double Dash stand above the rest of them? Does this stand above Nickelodeon's kart racing game? Does no, this and, no. And yeah, it's 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 absolutely a, a no you can't think of unless you're comparing yeah. it to the best of the Crash Bandicoot series, unless you're, it, which it's still it's 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 still very easily I think Double Dash you compare it to the best of the Sonic racing games. They don't quite reach the heights of Double Dash. And I think some people say the best of the racing series outside of this is probably, what would you say, Mike, that people generally 
I think it's usually like Crash Team Racing or Crash Nitro Kart, right? Yeah, are the I think games the Crash that... games are probably considered the best. They're very good. The Diddy uh, Kong ones Diddy were Kong. good, but it, but, it, but it died after the 64 yeah, series. It was just the one game. Yeah, Donkey Kong. I mean, Diddy Kong Racing is excellent. I actually actually think and Diddy then, Kong Racing is... And you really can't compare this to the NASCARs and the Need for no, Speeds and no. the Burnouts because they're no. very different focused. So if you're just saying kart racing series, and there's, there's probably 40, 50, 60 different kart racing games out there, if not more, I might be being generous and saying only 40 56 there could be a hundred different kart racing games over the years this stands at the top top five top ten of them yeah no it's it's definitely among the best of the kart racing games it's definitely among the best of the mario kart games and you know sorry for going all soapbox on review <laughs> scores uh it just they annoy me uh actually as i've gotten older i used to be all about the review score when i was younger uh, as i've gotten older uh, and it's not like ah, i don't read reviews game journalists don't know what they're talking about that they do all right these folks play video games for a living i just i think that there are sometimes other motivators uh that kind of creep in and i think we're all guilty of kind of getting excited about something and kind of leaning into it a little too hard i think there should be way fewer tens out there and i don't think mario kart double dash is a 10 but i do think hey, listen if you gave it a nine okay cool like egm gives it a 9.83 out of 10 that's a really high score for this game and i love egm i read egm like it was my bible yeah that was my favorite too. was coming out that was my favorite too because it felt like they were being egm felt like they didn't cater to anyone EGM was kind of just like an objective viewpoint. And then they it ended seems up becoming like they one. were generally just excited gamers that enjoyed yeah. to talk about what was coming out, what was being previewed, what was being reviewed. And they just objectively loved games as, as far as that was my magazine of choice as well. Yeah. And obviously IGN eventually absorbed what was left over of EGM when they became one up and all that stuff. So obviously a lot of those folks are still there, but EGM, I remember reading this in EGM in the magazine like like a few weeks before it came out i was so excited because 9.83 is really good and you know what that's that's a little high but it's still a very good score and i think it's a little bit more fair than the five out of ten that edge gave but edge was trying to be edge lordy that's kind of the thing they were like these uptight english reviewers who probably at the time hated anything that was cartoony we have right. to understand folks folks in the uk they didn't have the nes they didn't grow up on mario like we did they got they got the the they had the amiga they're playing games like Turrican. They got the Sega, the Sega Master Mega Drive. So they're playing all those Genesis games. They did get the SNES, but it probably couldn't even stand toe to toe with the Mega Drive in, in in the UK. So by the time you get to the GameCube, it's like, oh, okay, this is like kitty baby stupid stuff. So if you don't have the history there, I I understand. But ultimately, in the end, I, I think this is an excellent game. It's one of the best kart racers I've ever played, and it's one of the kart racers that has taken the most of my time. Yeah, I, I play so much less Mario Kart 8 than I play Double Dash because I don't play Mario Kart 8 every single day when I get home from school because I don't go to school anymore because I'm an adult. But I used to play Mario Kart Double Dash every day when I got home for hours just to unlock everything. And Mario Kart 8, now that it comes with everything unlocked to get it, it's like, eh, I don't need to play everything. I know. There was something lost in the Wii U one, Mario Kart 8, the original title, I spent hours and hours unlocking all the wheels, all the carts, yeah. all of that. And then you get the deluxe version. And it's nice that everything's there, but there's something lost there when you don't have to unlock everything. Yeah, when you get the deluxe version of 8, it's pretty much just like, it's it's just a party game at that point, right? Yeah. You have everything unlocked. It's like, this is when people come over. Right. Well, Mario Kart Double, da Double Dash, GameCube 2003. You touched upon it before, Mike, but they did imp improve power sliding quite a bit drifting yeah. around turns you got those sparks they turn blue and you shoot off you really separated the 
kids from the adults, who really was the the vets, who was the experienced gamers when you saw them drifting and getting those blue sparks going. If you're playing some newbie and they're just going around a turn and spinning out or or hitting the wall, they had no chance against someone. It really made a difference when you were good at drifting. Oh yeah. I mean, that's still kind of the deal, right? That's why motorcycles in Mario Kart now are so broken because you can just kind of power slide the whole course. But no, that whole power slide thing is is a lot of fun. And it, is. it adds an extra an extra bit to the strategy. And as it gets, you know, faster and faster, 50 cc, 100 and 150, it becomes harder to really master it. So when you really do get good at the levels, learning the turns and learning when to drift, you really can become an expert at this game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Mike, before we get to our trivia question, I want to ask you one trivia question about Double Dash. This sold 7 million copies internationally. It was the second best-selling game on that little purple box. Do you know what the best-selling game was on the GameCube? On the GameCube, the best-selling game on the GameCube. All right. So the the hint is it is also a party game per se. Yeah. Well, if it's a party game and it's not Mario Kart, I doubt it's Mario Party 4 or five or six. I don't think it's that. It's obviously not Mario Sunshine or Wind Waker. Trying to think what party games were on the GameCube. It was a sequel to a game on the N64. Okay. Oh, 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 that's it's Melee. Melee. Yeah, Yeah, that actually surprised me that it outsold Mario Kart. I think that's the last time a Smash Brothers game outsold a Mario Kart. I think it's the only time. Yeah, I mean, that was... Honestly, there are people tell you that's the only reason I own a GameCube is to have Melee. And those people drive around to Smash Brothers (laughs) Melee tournaments with CRT TVs in their And their GameCube controllers. And their GameCube controllers that are broken just enough (laughs) so that they can exploit the glitches in the game. I'm sorry, I I, I didn't mean to say that out loud. (laughs) I like that. that, I love that Melee fan base. I really do. I really do. You guys are the best. It's awesome that they're still hanging on to it. But that is Mario Kart Double Dash. Now we will jump over to... Our second trivia question. This one, I think, is a little easier than last week. So let's see how Mike does. That Minecraft one stunk. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. What is the best-selling game console of all time with 155 million consoles sold? Number one choice, Nintendo DS. Number two, the PlayStation 2. Number three, PS4. And last choice, Game Boy slash Game Boy Color. It's the PS2, right? It is the yeah. PS2, yeah. but it's it is PS2. closer. Yeah. Than people realize Game yeah. Boy and Game Boy Color was in fourth. PS4 right there with it. Then the DS was only a million behind the PS2, 154 million. Man, the DS. The DS dude. and all of its iterations. Uh, the DS sold, is good. Sold a lot. And the Switch is getting really close to the PS4 and the Game Boy. Yeah, the Switch, I think in a year or two, but I don't know if it has the legs to get to PS2 or DS unless they make a Pro or something that's going to go into if, the 5, 10 years. Yeah, the only th- way the Switch can continue is if they have an upgraded model of the Switch that they consider to be the Part Switch of the still. family, yeah. If it's a true sequel, if it's a Switch 2, I don't think it then counts. Yeah, I'm actually kind of nervous about what Nintendo does next. I'm, I'm very well, concerned. As we speak, they're showing... The trailer for the by the time you guys hear this, there'll be a trailer for the Mario movie, and I'm equally as scared about that. We've now yeah, seen his, so we've seen his butt now. I've seen I the 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 poster from behind looks great. I've seen the leaked image of his face from that guy who works at McDonald's. Not great, not great. I've read the synopsis, 
that has leaked. Also questionable. I don't want to spoil too much, but there are songs. And I don't know if I need Mario to sing. What I'm wondering, Mike, what if this is not for you and me? And what if this is for the people that did enjoy actually the Sonic movie? And that was kids. What if this is truly just aimed for that? I enjoyed the Sonic movie. Uh, me so too. <laughs> I don't I, I, I enjoyed the Sonic movie. Have I you seen see Sonic two. two is excellent. I, heard, I think I heard even better. Two is, I heard two is good. Uh, oh, I like the Sonic movie. I want to see two. I liked Detective Pikachu. Yep. So you know what? I take that sentence and I say, no, I clearly like these other stupid movies. It's just there's there's something about Mario that is special. And I feel like from what I read from the synopsis and stuff like that, it seems like what they're what if it's true, right? This leak could be completely false. It seems like they're kind of using in inspiration from like the old 80s cartoons where like Mario is a plumber from from not the real world, but from like new new donk city as opposed to New York. And you know what? The whole the whole thing, like he doesn't have the Mario voice. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Like I'm fine with him kind of sounding like a Brooklyn guy. Like I'm oh I've always been okay with that because that's what we grew up with. We grew up with Captain Lou. So I'm okay with that. I, I just wish that I don't know. I don't know what the plan is, but it seems like there's there's another two world thing, but at least it's not the real world and the Mario world. Like there's like two worlds within this universe that they go between. Because well, everything's the, a multiverse. By the time you guys hear this, you will long know what this movie is all about and you're laughing at us because we're either completely wrong or maybe completely right about our our takes on it but i'm i'm equally scared we'll know in just a few hours from when this is yeah recorded. yeah this is uh, yeah I, I am not listen i get it it's a movie for kids but just because just because it's a movie for kids doesn't mean it has to be yeah. bad yeah listen uh, toy story anyone can enjoy from any age batman the animated series which is a show i've been watching way way too much of lately is a show that was clearly made for children. Well, not clearly, but it was made for kids, right? It's a kid's ca cartoon, but at the same time, you can enjoy it 30 years later as an adult. So Pixar has really been able to walk that line. Disney has been able to walk that line. I'm not, I haven't watched any of these Minions movies. I don't have three ch young children like Matt does. So I don't know how many times he's seen these Minions and if they drive him crazy. But Mario, it's weird. Mario can be goofy and fun and silly, but there should be some degree of gravitas when it comes to Mario. It's the number one most important video game character of all time. Don't don't forget that when you make a movie about him. Yeah, no, that's that is something we will definitely see and keep our eyes and ears peeled for in the next day or two. And you guys will know. We'll talk about it next week. I'm sure how great oh, yeah. all it looks. Oh, we have to we have to talk about it next week. We Jeez. have to. Mike, what you been playing out there? Yeah, so I finished that voice, second Voice of Cards game. Those are fun. They're really little fun little experiences. I started up the third one, which is called Beasts of Burden. I haven't played too much of it. I haven't touched Xenoblade in a few weeks because I've only really had like maybe 20 minutes or a half hour at a time to play a video game lately. And if I have 20 minutes, you can't do anything in Xenoblade in 20 minutes. And Minimum an hour probably to scratch yeah. any surface at least you have to put at least an hour in and it's a great game. It's just such a time sink, but I'm interested in playing some like Halloween season games because it's that time of year right now. So 
I don't know if this really counts, but it's borderline. I actually started playing Undertale, which is a game I've played a little bit, a bit of back a few years back, and I never finished it. And it's like everyone says it's like one of the most important RPGs to come out in the last 10 years. So it's my duty as a gamer to play it. And it's really good. It's fun. It's weird. It's strange. You don't have to fight. You're actually encouraged not to fight in battles when you get into a battle with someone. And I'm just making my way through the game. It's not very long. It's like six to eight hours long. And it's good. It's a it's an interesting experience. It's a very unique way to think about how an RPG works. And I like it. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, I've heard it's very much a love letter to Earthbound, but also it breaks the fourth wall a lot. I heard yeah. it's kind of weird and fun at the same time. But uh, that's awesome, Mike. So uh, yeah, yeah, definitely let us know as we get closer to spooky season, what games you're playing. Yeah, it's... it's I, I, I want to play Bayonetta and I want to play the res- some of the Resident Evil games just to to just just get, pay the homage. I know Resident Evil 8 has like that third person DLC coming soon, so I want to do that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I talked last week briefly and I've now completed Super Mario World 5 on Mario Maker 2. This was a fan created, I'd say mod, but they created these eight worlds. And I just finished it and had the greatest time. Yeah. I mean, I played a bit of that game and it's awesome. Like that, who is it? Metroid Mike or whatever. I believe that's his name. And it really hits its peak. I think somewhere between worlds five and six, but he keeps it creative, keeps it fresh, does great themes. Yeah. The worlds feel unique and different enough. There's probably two or three duds out of 40, but that's talking really high about created worlds you're talking two or three duds out of 40 and the polish was really impressive i never got stuck i never had to quit i figured things out and nothing felt cheap there was no trolling at all these were really well thought out levels and you were always rewarded for for searching and and exploring the levels top-notch quality oh absolutely and if I made a Mario game with 40 levels, there would be way more than like two or three duds. There would probably be like 35 duds at least. Yeah. So he did a really good, really, really, yeah, really in, good job. In Mario Maker 1, I made about eight to 10 levels and I was really proud of them, but there probably only one or two of them were actually quote unquote good. The rest were, were pretty lousy, but I do recommend <laughs> anyone out there to, to play it. It's probably two to three hours to play through all of them, maybe. So it's not like it's it's like playing through any Mario game. It's pretty quick. Yeah, but this is that's the joy of it all, right? That's the joy of it all. But Mike, I have an on-air recommendation for you. What? A game that I started playing just two days ago, and it has knocked my socks off, dropped my jaw, popped the hat I was wearing off my head, and really took me back. This game is called Sayonara Wild Hearts. Oh, that game's wild. This game <laughs> is style- it is pizzazz, but it's a game you watch the trailer and you don't fully really understand what the game is. It's sort of a rhythm-based game. It has a bunch of quick-time events. It's sort of a racing-type game. But the game does such a good job with the characters, the music, and the story. The levels are quick enough where as you're exploring through them, you're having such a fun time. I'm probably through about seven or eight of these quick levels. Each one is probably between two and three to sometimes five minutes long, but it is so much fun. I feel like it takes things from music and rhythm types games. It takes things from all different genres and creates this unique experience that is full of style. It is so much fun. The music is great and it looks gorgeous. It's aesthetically just really interesting to look at. 
Yeah, this has been a game that's been on my short list for a very long time. It's just one I never sat down and played. Yeah, it's definitely something I'd recommend. You can play it on the Switch, PS4, Xbox, PC. I'm playing it on the Switch. I saw it on sale like probably about a month ago, and I was like, I've heard how good this game is. It looks different and unique enough of an experience, and I can absolutely say I've played no video game like I can't even think of a comparison to this game, and I can't wait to play more of it. Yeah, and it's not even that it's not that long either. Like I think that's like a, a few I think you can beat it in an hour or two. I'm not sure. Yeah, Don't quote yeah, me on that. I think so. But I think it's a pretty quick and short experience. But as I'm playing, I'm like, Mike would totally dig not only just the gameplay, but the music as well. I think it's oh, totally bet. up your alley. I bet. I got yeah, it's like I said, it's been a game that I've like I followed for a long time and try to get more information on it. It's something I definitely have to sit down and uh, Yeah, this was recommended play. to me. Probably about a year ago, I had the privilege of going on the Region Free Gamers podcast. Nice. Uh, they're no longer continued running. They are now done. But when I was on, one of the uh, podcasters there recommended this game. And I said, I'm going to put that on my radar. I never heard of it. And multiple of them had played it as well. And they said, yeah, yeah, this is one of the best experiences that you can get for a few hours. And I'm thrilled with it, Mike. That's awesome because I've. I, it's nice to hear that because I've heard it come up so many times. It's like a pop album video game is the way which it's been is described. Kind of great. Which is awesome. So that's what I've been playing. I'm waiting like you for some of the fall releases for games like Bayonetta, for games like Pokemon and some of the other fun stuff we got coming out. But until then, Mike, there's never enough. There's too many video games, let's say. Too many, too many video games, too little time. I uh, hope... I hope that Gotham Knights is good for you, Matt. I oh, really do. I was I'm reading. Hoping. I'm dating us right now because I just read a full final preview on the game today. And they were like, yeah, it's more of Arkham. If you like the Arkham games, it's more of the same. It doesn't do much new and different. Some of them have kind of unique gameplay styles. I'm like, I don't care. Give me more of the same. I love those games. Yeah, more of the same is fine. I mean, we haven't played an Arkham game in a while. So yeah. all more of the same is more than it's more than okay. It's, Arkham it's Knight like, was 2015, 2016? Yeah, I think so. Somewhere around there. I played 2015. It, I was living in two places ago. I was living in apartments. So I know it's quite a while ago. Wow, it's a bit yeah, it's a while ago. <laughs> so we're ready for another we're ready for an Arkham game. I'm sure I'll be talking about that in the weeks to come as we as it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. So enjoy. Yeah, I, I will. I'll, I'm going to. So that's it. That is the episode. That's probably, like always, the best episode we ever made. I say that each week, but that was oh, the yeah. best one. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We did it. And guys, we'll see you next week. But first, Mike, tell us where they can find you out there. Yeah, you can find me here on the Hall of Fame video game podcast. You can also find me on the internet at the underscore Mike underscore Staub on Instagram and Twitter. So be feel free to go out there and follow me. We can chat about video games. You can also find me on my other podcast, which is the Batman Tasticast, which is a podcast that follows the amazing Batman, the animated series. And uh, yeah, you can find me at Long on Retro Gaming too, Li Retro. So uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. So you can find me all those places. You can find me with my band, Bad Mary, which is, uh, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Bad Mary Band. Awesome. And you can listen to all of our back catalog as well as the Hall of Fame movie episodes that are back on track. So please tune in, check those out. Tell your friends, leave a review, please. We're getting into begging season, which is the holiday season. Please leave us a review. It really does help. And that's all, Mike. That's all I got. I got nothing else. I got nothing else either, Matt. So it's been another great episode. So thank you once again for putting this all together. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time, folks. Guys, we'll see you next time. Until then, 
Play all them games. Play them! From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.